Welcome to Green Tea, sustainable stories from Bowdoin's campus and beyond. My name is Holden Turner. And I'm Juliette Min. Green Tea is a production of the Office of Sustainability at Bowdoin College, sharing the perspectives of students, staff, and community members. Today, Hayden Keene has joined us to share about plant medicine, its intersection with tradition, history, and resistance, and how it is a medium through which Hayden explores power dynamics and culture. We are especially looking forward to hearing her speak about how plant medicine informs her personal relationship to sustainability. Can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Bowdoin, where home is, and how your semester is going so far? Yeah, um, so my name is Hayden Keene. I use she, her, hers. I'm a junior, but I am actually on leave this year, so I will be junior in the fall. Um, I grew up in western New Hampshire um, in a little town called Springfield, and right now I'm living in Camden, Maine. I am uh, enjoying my leave, doing a lot of bird watching, doing a lot of reading of books that I've been meaning to get to, and substitute teaching in the Camden Rockport School District. And I'm an environmental studies and gender, sexuality, and women's studies coordinate major, uh, which I think is a really cool combo that um, most people don't take advantage of, but I really enjoy the intersection of those two fields. Can you tell us more about the intersection of those two fields? Well, I didn't go into Bowdoin knowing that I wanted to do that, but after and ES classes, I realized that um, they're all about power dynamics, um, society, oppression, um, and the intersection of like, you know, capitalism, colonialism, white supremacy, and how we can heal our society, heal the land, and work together to create more just and resilient communities. Very cool. Uh, I, you, you said earlier that you are doing house watching right now. How is that going for you? And are you enjoying it? And then also if you could uh, go on and also talk about substitute teaching, um, how that has been going for you. Yeah, um, so I'm house sitting with my partner Finn for this uh, older couple that goes south to Arizona which has been a really ideal situation for my leave. It's a lovely house and a lovely spot. We have a lot of birds that come to our feeder and uh, we've named all the birds and rodents. And <laughs> it's lovely to see oh. their faces every day. <laughs> and yeah, I'm substitute teaching at um, Camden Rockport Middle School and Camden Hills High School. Um, and it's been great to meet a lot of teachers in the area and kids and people don't realize it, but substitute teaching is a great way to like do a lot of reading. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've been able to uh, do lots of like learning about the things I'm interested in during the day, which is great. What subjects are your favorite to teach? I really like English because <laughs> uh, the kids are usually like reading interesting books and I kind of get to the books that the teacher has on their shelves. Awesome. So we've asked you here today to talk a little about plant medicine. So could you give us a broad overview of what your interest in plant medicine is and how you got introduced to it? Yeah, um, so I absolutely have fallen in love with plant medicine, especially over the past two years or so as I've learned more about it. I didn't grow up in an environment that was super like into herbalism and plant medicine. Um, my family was pretty fairly allopathic, um, which is a word that I kind of use to describe medicine that's symptom oriented rather than um, cause oriented. And that is kind of synonymous with Western medicine, but Western medicine isn't always like practiced in Western spaces just want to make that distinction. But growing up, I always like, you know, love to be outside. I made a lot of like rose petal perfume and like played with dandelions and that type of thing, which is definitely a form of herbalism, even though um, probably not many people recognize it as such. But I think like a lot of folks, I actually came to plant medicine 
um, because I was in need of healing. I was, I had a lot of health challenges, um, especially starting my senior year of high school and the Western or allopathic system just wasn't working for me. Um, I didn't feel like it was supporting my body in the way it needed to be. I didn't feel really like heard or listened to in that system. And I also just wanted a greater sense of agency over my healing process. I really started deepening my relationship with plant medicine after I had a few concussions. And typically after concussion, um, you just kind of have to wait it out and rest and wait for it to get better. Um, and that really just wasn't working for me. I needed something kind of active to feel like I was uh, supporting myself through, through the process of healing, making myself feel better. Um, and I found plant medicine. I also work with a lot of um, other alternative healing modalities that a lot of folks might find a little out there. Um, some more mainstream ones like acupuncture and chiropractic um, I use a lot, but I also work with sound healing and Reiki and different types of like kind of plant-centered spirituality. So you talked, you said the word allopathic, which you said is symptom oriented. What's the opposite word for allopathic? More probably holistic um, or yeah. like uh, cause oriented in like alternative modalities. We really want to look at the person as a whole complex human being with a social life, emotional life, and a physical body. And these things are all so interconnected and inextricably linked. Just if we're masking the symptoms with drugs, that's really not going to help that individual become more empowered or evolved in the long term. Can you talk about how some of these traditions that you specifically are focusing on address those more holistic concerns? So I'll give an example, like maybe if somebody's having kind of problems with a stagnant liver and just they're not moving, they're not cleansing their blood properly, there's um, some issues with the liver or kidney, are having like sluggish digestion, maybe some skin problems as a result. There's a lot of different like kind of masking medic medicines that you can use um, to ameliorate the symptoms. But if we use gentle food herbs like dandelion and burdock on a regular basis, then we can kind of kickstart um, the functions of the liver and kidney and get like our, our bodily energy flowing again. Um, so that's one example. Herbs are used in so many different ways in so many different formulations. But I, I really think just like if we, if we look at our bodies as a whole complex being, we can see how a lot of our symptoms are connected to one underlying cause. So symptoms are like, they're an expression of a problem with the body, often in one of the organ systems. And let's say like, you know, someone's having a lot of random symptoms and Western medicine wants to kind of give, prescribe a bunch of pills to, to deal with them. And rather than self-medicating with drugs that may not support our like overall path to wellness, I think we can use herbs to like really root out some of the underlying causes and just like help our bodies feel more revitalized and whole. Can you talk a little bit more about the difference between the pills that Western medicine gives out versus what plant medicine can do? Obviously, plant medicine seems a bit more nat feels it seems a bit more natural. But what is the what is the line between the two, or how is one actually better for better suited for our bodies than the other? Can you comment a little bit on that? Yeah, I think. Allopathic medicine is great and it has so many wonderful uses and has saved so many lives. It's really good for acute care. If I break my arm, I'm going to the emergency room. I'm not going to try and sit there in a field and like chew up some arnica or whatever and put it on my arm. <laughs> like antibiotics are great. They've saved a lot of lives. But like with my concussion, for example, I have a lot of headaches 
And allopathic medicine would say, oh, you should probably take some Advil or Tylenol for that. And for me, like that just doesn't really work. Advil has a lot of side effects like in the GI tract and can cause like problems with the stomach lining. So instead of doing that, I use, for example, um, a lot of teas with willow bark and yarrow and skullcap and chamomile and oat straw, all these nervine herbs that um, can help deal with pain in the nervous system. And I work with um, cannabis oil salves and arnica salves, um, calendula topically, all these things that I can put on um, certain areas of my head that might be causing me discomfort. And that really totally alleviates the symptoms. Whereas like an allopathic um, drug might create some more side effects. I just want to be really clear that like healing is such a personal choice and no one path is right or wrong. Um, I think everyone needs to find what's right for them and use a combination. Yeah, I totally, I rely on a lot of allopathic doctors um, and on my healing team and they're fabulous. Um, but I just like to kind of draw on a lot of different, different um, modalities. It sounds like you're almost talking about expanding the idea of what medicine can address. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when I think of healing overall, it just is so broad and expansive. Plants can help us with a lot of emotional problems, spiritual problems too. And even like plants can help with ecological healing. So yeah, my definition of medicine and healing is super broad in that regard. But what I would love to see is um, allopathic medicine being more open to, to other forms of healing. And folks too should know that they do have choice um, in, their, in their healing process. I think throughout history, white supremacy, colonialism, capitalism um, have done a really successful and intentional job of convincing us that um, we don't know how to heal ourselves and we have to pay someone for the information on how to heal ourselves. And one big part about plant medicine for me is um, it is political. I do see it as a political healing modality um, because we're reclaiming um, our agency over our healing process. We're reclaiming our, our relationship with plants, with the earth, and um, with the community um, that we can call upon to help us heal. Allopathic medicine can be a little bit reductionist at times in the way it treats um, disease and the, the complex human body and mind. A lot of, a lot of Bowdoin students, especially who um, I talked to plant medicine about are, they really like evidence. Um, we've been taught kind of our whole lives to find the evidence um, in a scientific way, in, in literature, whatever it is. Um, but I would just love to see the definition of evidence broadened a little bit. For me, when I'm thinking about like working with a plant and is this plant helping me? Should I work with a plant? It's not necessarily based on is the active constituent or the property of this plant going to address this specific uh, ailment that I'm having? Mm -hmm. It's do I feel intuitively and energetically that this plant um, might align with, with I, what I'm trying to heal in my body? I think like throughout history and all across the world, people have a lot of different ways learning about plants and um, holding knowledge in their own body and I think the, the allopathic way of being just doesn't really acknowledge these like other forms of knowledge and other forms of healing. You're, you've been touching on the history of both these plants, the natural history and the um, social history. What's your own relationship with like these traditions that you practice? I try to as much as possible um, work with plants in my ancestral lineage. 
So my ancestors come from um, pre predominantly the British Isles and Germany. And I do believe that our bodies hold these ancestral stories. And when we work with the plants that our ancestors worked with, and when I say ancestor, this can be a blood relative or it can be um, a chosen kin structure of another form. When we work with these plants that historically are real or chosen families have had relationships with, I think they just kind of resonate with us on a deeper level. Some people may find that like a little out there, but we have seen that, like, I think there's kind of a new idea of ancestral healing coming about in relationship to like justice work and how trauma is passed down these days, which is really interesting. And in the plant medicine community right now, there's a huge push for working with plants in one's ancestral lineage, both as a way of kind of finding rootedness to culture and places that we may have lost in the process of like becoming white um, if, for white folks. And also as a way of not being culturally appropriative to plants that have been extracted and colonized from other healing traditions. How have you learned more about your own culture and your own lineage through uh, this plant medicine? I think that's something that I haven't done a whole lot of yet. And I'm really, really excited um, to dive into that more. I've been able to access some resources um, there. I took a, an amazing workshop with Kara Wood and Erin Sweeney of Ancestral Apothecary that looked specifically at um, decolonizing our ancestral plant medicine. Yeah, they introduced me to this whole idea that our bodies do remember like what plants our ancestral lineage has worked with. And um, these might just kind of heal us in, in multiple ways. Like they work with our body, but they also work with, with rerouting us to place and culture. It is an interesting topic that you bring up because I'm, I'm thinking about right now, one of the hot topics in the news is all about vaccines and how people respond to vaccines. And it's vaccines are just one example of how our bodies are able to learn and respond to substances to, and you're expanding this definition to plants that can reach back super far. So I, I think, I think it makes a lot of sense that there's, that there's overlap in that the body can learn. Can you talk about like a specific plant that you've had a relationship with? Oh, there's so many. It's hard to pick just one. Um, but I think dandelion is a great example. Um, I love dandelion um, because they're everywhere. Um, they're such an accessible plant, healing in so many ways. And just as a side note, um, I try and use them to refer to plants. Um, okay. For folks that have read Robin Wall Kimmerer's Breeding Sweetgrass, I think in one of her chapters, she talks about the grammar of animacy. Um, and I think it's just a way of moving towards seeing non-human beings as more fully alive and complex, basically. Yeah. Referring to plants that I have relationships with as it just feels a little like colonial and reductionist um, at times. But anyway, dandelion. So they, I think one really cool thing is they're ecologically healing in addition to helping the human body heal. They have a, an amazing taproot that can help pull nutrients to the surface and heal the soil. And they thrive in disturbed spaces um, like sidewalk cracks in the sides of the road and um, people's lawns. And we spend a lot of, a lot of money um, trying to get rid of dandelions in our lawns. Yeah. Um, when in reality, they're a very healing food. You can eat every part of the dandelion plant. Not really? it tastes good. <laughs> um, the stem is is pretty bitter, especially. Um, but yes, the roots, the leaves, the stem, and the flower, you can eat it all. Um, wow. Most commonly, the roots are used medicinally. They are really detoxifying. They're 
considered a food herb. So like one that's really safe for pretty much everyone, unless you have some really um, complex health considerations and they're safe for long-term use. And I also love that on a more like energetic level, um, dandelions can help us kind of release stuck energy, stuck emotions. I have right now, I have a flower essence of dandelion and flower essences, they're definitely, they're out there for a lot of people. But what a flower essence is, is kind of an energetic um, or vibrational imprint of a plant, usually stabilized in water or brandy. You just take a few drops of it at a time. Um, and it kind of, the goal is to like remind the body of um, its own innate ability to like heal or work through any issues. And that's what would be considered like a homeopathic remedy, which is um, plant medicine in like very small diluted doses. And those are made pretty much by just like soaking some flowers in a bowl of water in sunlight or moonlight. And those are used in a lot of different ways. And just seeing like seeing a dandelion on a lawn just reminds me of kind of resistance. Despite everything, this dandelion is growing in the most <laughs> unlikely place in a crack of a sidewalk um, and is bringing like a little bit of sunshine and beauty um, to a space that kind of just um, connects to the whole idea of like plant medicine as as reclaiming traditions and reclaiming space. So uh, dandelions are pretty much, we can find them in a lot of different places, but how else do you find find the plants that you use for your, your medicine or what is accessible to the average student and what is it? So I'm a big advocate of like redefining what plant medicine looks like, I think. When people think of it, they might think, oh, I have to go into the woods in a very rural place and like pick my own mushrooms or rare endangered root, um, which I really advocate you not to do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) There's a lot of medicinal plants that have been over harvested. um, And obviously uh, you wanna make sure you're like, you really know what you're doing before you go kind of harvest your own. But if you're a bone student and you're drinking chamomile tea from the dining hall, like you're using plant medicine. Mm. Or if, you know, you're a grandmother that's, you know, growing some tea in her, on her windowsill in the city and sharing it with friends, like that is plant medicine too. So it's a lot more accessible than people think. Um, And there's a lot of herbs and um, spices that are actually really medicinal that we can buy at Hannaford. One of my favorite um, formulations is um, powdered turmeric and powdered ginger mixed with honey. And if you, you can kind of create a paste and then add hot water, and that makes a bit of a golden milk. It's really warming and super anti-inflammatory. I like to add a splash of milk to that and drink it before bed. And there's so much herbal tea at the grocery store that you can get. And that's all plant medicine. It's not um, super strong. Sometimes you have to drink like a few cups of tea to kind of get whatever effect you're looking for. Um, And also Morning Glory does sell bulk herbs. Some of them are, you know, you kind of have to look at the herb and decide if it looks good or not sometimes. Um, Sometimes when with dried leaves, they can lose their spunk sometimes kind of fast if they're stored for a long time um, and might look kind of brown. But um, I also love to get elderberries from from Morning Glory. I think their herb supplier might be Frontier. Um, And I make a nice elderberry syrup with apple cider vinegar and honey that you can both get at Hannaford. And that's really a good immune booster um, throughout the winter. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to work with plant medicine um, Mm -hmm. that are super accessible to literally everyone who 
um, can get to the dining hall or the grocery store. And that's something that I really want people to know. What an easy entryway into plant medicine. It's all around us. So um, yeah. yeah, thank you for kind of redefining that and helping us to see the food we intake and the things that we we consume in a different way. Yeah. I'm a big tea drinker. I, I love a cup of chamomile tea or mint tea before bed. And I should point out that this podcast title is green tea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> green tea is medicine too. <laughs> I think originally the idea, the, the push behind the name was from a, a kind of like sit down, have a chat over this cup of green tea, which has a very kind of ritualistic feeling. So I'm, I'm really curious about the field in the past and today, because it seems like plant medicine has been something that's rooted in, rooted in a lot of tradition. I'm wondering if the field is still changing today. Yeah, absolutely. I think, as I mentioned earlier, like a big push towards ancestral herbalism and right. working with herbs in a non-appropriative way. Um, because I think we see a lot of like in wellness culture, kind of this idea of superfoods and super herbs, um, which are really just herbs that people have been using for probably millennia in um, parts of, oftentimes it's parts of the global South and the West is kind of co-opting those to use as like super herbs to boost our wellness and totally divorcing them from the traditions and the spirituality surrounding those, working with those plants. So I think a lot of more folks are becoming aware of that these days and trying to dismantle um, that because it is pretty harmful um, to groups, especially when it's being cultivated and sold in a way that does not financially benefit any of the people who stewarded those plants for probably thousands of years. And I think in a lot of herb spaces that I see, um, like I follow a lot of herbalists on Instagram that are really working to center justice movements in their healing practices. Yeah, especially I think since like the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement really became more prevalent, folks are beginning to really use their herbalism as um, a tool for justice. There's a project there that's um, working to teach prisoners how to use plants that are growing in prison yards. There's healing collectives springing up all over the world, specifically the U.S., um, that are creating spaces for Black, Indigenous, and people of color to come together and use ancestral plants and access-free Reiki, acupuncture, um, whatever it may be for healing. So there's just so much cool stuff that's happening right now in the way of like reclaiming traditions. And do you think that plant medicine is a form of resistance and activism? I absolutely do. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, dandelion peeking up from a sidewalk yep. back. Like, I just love that image. Of, of reclaiming and yeah, both traditions and also just personal agency over our bodies and over our healing process. And yeah. realizing that we actually do have a lot of intuitive tools that we can use um, to work to heal ourselves. That's not to say that you shouldn't, um, you know, <laughs> consult a doctor for anything, but just like for me, plants are also, they remind me um, that I'm the most important um, agent in my healing process and that I actually like, I, I can heal myself. Um, and my belief in my own healing is really the number one most important thing. It definitely feels like there's a restoration of power. Like if you feel like you can't, you have to resort to the hospital to heal everything. I feel like, you know, you feel so helpless if you're having some sort of symptom or, you know, 
having some health problem. Um, but yeah, I really like how you talked about reclaiming the agency, reclaiming the power that we have. Hayden, how did you, what was the process by which you kind of stumbled upon this belief that you could heal yourself? Yeah, I think it related a lot to my concussions and having allopathic medicine kind of tell me that there was nothing that I could do but wait. And I just didn't want to take that for an answer. Um, so I turned to pretty much every healing modality that I could find, um, <laughs> acupuncture, chiropractic, sound medicine, positive affirmations, plant medicine, meditation, yoga, like pretty much everything. Like I've tried some out there stuff, um, biomagnetism. <laughs> uh, so yeah. And I think uh, with pretty much most of these healing modalities that I've tried, they do like work, I think. <laughs> um, but I mean, I believe they work is what I'm saying. Um, they also, I think most importantly, like they remind us that, that our bodies do have the capacity to heal. Yes, Hayden, we're, so we're a podcast that focuses mainly on sustainability. And I know we've, you know, touched on this so many times, like briefly, but we would still like to ask the question of what does sustainability mean to you? And I guess specifically, if, if you want to also connect that to the plant medicine aspects, we would love to hear how those two relate. Yeah, um, I love how you ask this question to everyone. And I loved hearing everyone's um, diverse answers on it. I think for me, plant medicine really offers a good framework for sustainability because I see sustainability as revolving around our deep relationships of care for each other, um, for our communities, for our um, planet and our ecological communities, and literally like how are we going to move forward on this planet in a joyful, healing, resilient, um, just way. I think plant medicine offers like a way, an example of a relationship that we can use um, to become more sustainable and resilient and care for each other. I love the way you put that. You were so wonderful with the way you were, you taught, you taught us so much today in this podcast. Um, we could definitely see how good of a substitute teacher you must be <laughs> over, uh, over where you are. Um, so thank you so much for teaching us about plant medicine, about how sustainability goes into it. And yeah. Yeah, of course. I'm always happy to chat with anyone who wants to learn more. <laughs> For more about plant medicine, please check out two books Hayden recommended to us, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer and My Grandmother's Hands by Resma Menachem. You can find more of Hayden's work on Instagram with username badbitchbotanicals. Over the course of the spring 2021 semester, Green Tea will be sharing stories from students, staff, and community members around Bowdoin College. Stay tuned for more episodes, and thanks for listening!